Well, thank you for, for your care and attention. Uh, we are continuing our series in Colossians. If you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. If you don't have a paper Bible, that's okay. You can get your phone out as well. If you don't have a phone or a Bible, you must have, you know, left the house unprepared. Um, we're going to be in uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Uh, now, I will, as, we, as we look at this text, I want us to, to think about the que- question, what does it look like to be successful? What does it look like to be successful? And I think most of us have an idea of what that looks like in, in our professional worlds. You know, maybe in college you, you idolized or you, you looked up to some individuals in, in a field of study that you were interested in. For me, I, it was computer science, and I was kind of surrounded by people who were really smart, very gifted, uh, technologically aware, creative, and, and there were people who, who had lifestyles, and they had habits of life, and there were things that they had done which kind of were markers of success. And wherever you have uh, a place for elevation, a place for growth, there's, there's markers of success. And so today, I want us to think about what does it look like to live a successful Christian life? Now this is, it's a, it's a tricky one because Christian, Christian life, this, this walking in faith with Jesus Christ is first and foremost admitting that you can't walk this life successfully. It's admitting that, that apart from the work of God, I can do no good. And even with the work of God, I, I need I need to, to operate with the power of God at work. And, and when I do that, it's to the glory of God and, and I can praise him. I don't praise myself. I don't boast in my own ability. I, I boast in what God is doing. What does it look like then for us to be successful? So we're going to look and hear what Paul has to tell us about that. If you can stand with us, if you're new, we have a tradition of standing as we read the word of God together. So we're going to read... Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 together. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we listen to your apostle, that you would, you would give us a vision of success. Not a vision of our own glory of, or our own awesomeness, but what it looks like for us to step into the stream of all that you have for us. God, I pray that we would be swept up into uh, the grace of God, that we would, we would be able to live, as your word says, in a manner that is pleasing to you, that we'd be able to persevere in the face of affliction and conflict and opposition. God, I pray that you would make us successful Christians. Again, not in the sense that we, we are without need, but in the sense that in our need, we are walking in faithful fellowship with you. 
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open this word to us, that you would give us understanding, and that you would allow us to to apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So if if you've been keeping track, it's it's really kind of interesting because we're we're 11 verses into this this letter, really almost halfway through the first chapter, and, and Paul has said very little to the Colossians. Most of what he has said has been really directed toward God. He says in verses 3 and following, we always thank God, well, he, perhaps he's telling them, but he's telling them of his conversation with God, that we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And he explains that we thank God because of what God is doing in your life. Certainly you have faith, you're walking in faith, you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You've got love, you're walking in, in, in loving fellowship, in commitment with other Christians, in relationship where you're forgiving and you're giving and you're being generous and you're being kind. You're exemplifying the love of God in the world so that when people see these, these disparate, different people loving one another, they recognize, hey, there has to be God at work here because otherwise I don't know how these two knuckleheads could do it right? He's thanking God for their faith and their, their love because of the hope that motivates it. And he says, this hope is a hope that's, that's held for you in heaven. And ultimately, this, is this hope that I will see my Savior. I will be able to look at him unashamed, unabashed, unafraid because of what he has done in my life. And he says, we thank God because of what he's doing. We talked about the fact that we can, we can thank God as well, that when we see these things, when we see even an inkling of hope, when we see a little bit of love, when we see a, a, a little bit of, of faith, that that is an indication, that is proof that God is at work. And sometimes when you can't see it in your own life, you can look at the lives of others and you can say, I know God's at work in that person's life and we're made of the same stuff, so God can be at work in my life as well. He thanks God for what he is doing. And here he, he shifts and he says, you know what, we've been thanking God. And, and honestly, since we heard from this guy, Epaphras, who, who has brought you the gospel, he's he shared with you the hope of, of the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the gospel of truth. Since we've heard of your love for one another from Epaphras, he came to us, he talked to us, he, he shared how, how, how God, you're, you're, he's doing these things, he's, he's bearing fruit in, in their lives, how, how God is, is bringing people to salvation, how, how people are giving money to the needy, how, how orphans are being adopted, how how relationships are being restored. And so Paul says, and since from that time that we heard that, we have not ceased to, to continue, not just to, to thank God, but also to pray. And when Paul prays, you need to pay attention, right? If, if Warren Buffett were to come on stage, Warren Buffett's a billionaire, pretty smart guy. Zach might know about it. I don't know. I don't know if people know about American billionaires. That's a thing. I don't know. As a side note, I would love your accent because people would listen. <laughs> Not that you don't listen, but everyone kind of is like, oh, he said stuff. That's cool. I want to say stuff. It just doesn't work. Don't do it, Eddie. But if he were to come on stage, Warren Buffett, and he were to say something, you know, I want to tell you some things about finance. All of a sudden, we might just kind of listen in. Maybe more than if I were to just start saying, I want to talk to you about finance. I'm like, that's not what we pay you to do, Eddie. Um, and so Paul, this apostle of God, kind of a big deal in the church, 
maybe wrote most of the New Testament, planted a couple churches here and there throughout uh, Europe and Asia. Uh, We should listen, right? And he says, so I have not ceased to pray for you. What have you been praying for, Paul? Because if you're praying for it, probably I should be praying for it as well, right? And what we see is that he prays really for two things in this section. He prays for two things. He prays that they would have knowledge to live by, knowledge to live by, and power to endure. Knowledge to live by, and power to endure. Now, we need to pay attention to this because, like the Colossians, you and I, we need knowledge to live by and power to endure. So what does he mean? Look at verse 9 with me. It says, And so from the day that we heard, in other words, and so since we heard from Epaphras, this guy, about your faith and your love and, and all the things that are going on, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He asked that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What on earth does that mean? Normally, when we think of the word uh, being given knowledge, it's maybe we we would pray. If I were to pray this, I might say, I I pray that you would receive knowledge, that you would learn knowledge. But he says that you would be filled, that you would would overflow. It's this this word that, that talks about literal filling. That you'd be filled with the knowledge of your will. How, do, how is one filled with the knowledge? How are you filled with knowledge? I mean, we might, we might use that kind of language, but it's, it's a little foreign. And he says, well, this is what I mean. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, Paul, that wasn't much help, more help. What do you mean when you say spiritual wisdom and understanding? And another way that you could put this is, we pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. You see, for us to have the kind of knowledge to be successful is to know the will of God. That part makes sense. If you want to please your father or your mother, kids, teens, you do what they tell you to do, right? You you know what their will is, what their desire is, what their wish is. If you want to know how not to, you don't do those things. We know this, right? Some of, I like, some of the kids are just like, like we may have had some interactions pre-church. But, but we know what it is to know the, the will of our parents. The same is true for God. God has a will. He has a desire. He has a wish, a way for us to live that is in concert, that is in alignment, that is, in, that is consistent with who he is. There's a way to live in the household of God that pleases God. There's a way to live in God's family that pleases God. And I want to say it that way, family, because we are speaking to Christians, right? Paul is not praying, I pray that you would live in a way that would allow you to earn your adoption. What what a neat thing for them to be here today because Paul is speaking to adopted individuals. They've already been called Christians because of the faith that they have that he talks about in in verse 3. This is, this is not a question of whether or not you're in the family. This is the question of house rules. There's a way for my children to please me as a parent, but that doesn't therefore make them my children. They are my children, and in our household, there are household rules. And so he says, I want you to be filled 
with the knowledge of your will. And that language of being filled is language that, God, that Paul speaks of when he talks about the Holy Spirit in our life. And so there's this interaction of the Holy Spirit coming with spiritual wisdom and understanding whereby we begin to understand and, and know the will of God. So where does the Holy Spirit speak? This is, Paul is not here talking about some sort of mystical, um, you know, go out in the meadow, sit with some crystals, and allow the Holy Spirit to do something. I'm, I'm being kind of silly, but that's in the world. There are those who would pursue a, an experience with God by means of some sort of unknowable, unknown, experiential, mystical moment. But God, that's not what he speaks of when he talks about knowing God. And when the Bible talks about, when the New Testament talks about mystery, it's not talking about mysticism. It's not talking about New Age uh, meditation. It's not talking about trying to connect with the universe. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. Uh, but I say that because that's in the water. That's in the world. Go, you know, go to the, your, your bookstore and you'll see alternate pursuits of spirituality that, that deny Christ. And, and in the Colossian church, there were alternate pursuits of spirituality that denied uh, the, the supremacy of Christ. Denied the fact that Christ was Lord and there is no other God. And so here he says, you know what, I want you to come into a real knowledge, not a mystical knowledge, not a secret knowledge, not like a, uh, you know, babysitter's club, we got the secrets knowledge, but a knowledge that comes by the Holy Spirit. Where has the Holy Spirit spoken? This is not a dumb, this is not a, a, a trick question. The Holy Spirit has spoken first and foremost in his word. This is the Bible I shake at you to remind you to read your Bible because this is the place where the Holy Spirit fills you. Now, we're, we're a charismatic church. We believe that God still speaks, but we don't believe that he speaks apart from or outside of the bounds of what this says. Nothing that God speaks to a person that, that I have an encouraging word I want to tell you is going to come in, in conflict with this word. If it does, then it's not the word of God. God speaks through his written word. So much so that in, in 2 Timothy, this is, this is one of those, I think I've quoted it before, I'm sure I have. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul talks about it. He says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent or the person of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Do you want to know what it is to please God? Do you want to hear from the Holy Spirit? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's not complicated. But our struggle is not because things are complicated. Our struggle is because we often don't want to do it. But he says we need to pursue spiritual wisdom and revelation. Now, the thing is, I, you know, I have a Bible I have several Bibles. I have enough Bibles that one of my sons asked me, why do you have so many Bibles? And I didn't have a good answer. I, I, I felt a little embarrassed. It's like, do you, you can have one. I don't, what? I have a lot of Bibles. Now, the thing about Bibles is they're really neat, but they don't do a lot of good on the shelf. 
right? This looks nice, makes me seem a particular way if you come into my office. But unless, unless I apply this to my life and obey it, it is just paper and ink and, you know, a fancy cover. He, he says that, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We are called, I am called, you are called, not just to know things about God, but to live in a manner that is worthy of him. Now, we don't live in a manner that's worthy of him because that's how we get into the family. We just talked about that. We don't, we don't go to earn God's salvation, but we go because we carry the name of Christ and we represent him. And we have the opportunity to represent him well or represent him poorly. We have an opportunity to, to, to have a good testimony of who God is because of what people see in our lives or a bad testimony. He says that I pray that you would know these things so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What do you mean, Paul? He says, fully pleasing to him. There's a, there's a way that pleases God. Right? Sin, effectively, if you're in the family, sin is living in a way that doesn't please God. It's not just, sometimes we think, okay, well, Christianity is just about rules. It's just about um, of doing these things, don't, not doing these things. It's about restricting my freedom. I can't live how I want to live. I, I want to do this. It's about um, seeming weird and puritanical in a world that seems to be able to do whatever it wants to do. But no, it's about relationship. It's about a God who loves you enough to send his son on the cross to die in your place for your sins and that's him expressing love. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to express love by living in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Perhaps if you struggle in this area, it's not just because you, you have a tr tough time disobeying, it's because you don't understand the love of God. If, if you understood how much God loved you, then, then it would be, oh, absolutely I'll do that, Jesus. Absolutely I do this. I'll do that. And that's why he labors so much to speak about the love of God. He wants us to know that we know that we know that God loves us. He prays that they would be walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm sorry, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When, when, we, when we put our knowledge into action, you know, stop cursing, stop being angry, forgive, don't do that, do this. And we don't just say, well, those are, that's, that's some good wisdom. But we actually take those proverbs and put them into action, right? A gentle answer turns away wrath. When we, when we don't snap back at our spouse or when we don't snap back at our, at our sibling, all of a sudden, that action produces what? Good works. It produces fruit. Your life is intended to produce fruit. Sometimes we think about good works and we think, okay, well, is this like Mother Teresa and I have to just kind of, I have to become a pastor or, you know, go and become a missionary and that's what good works are? No, your good works may just be not losing it when you get cut off on seven. That's a good work. It's better than the alternative. It may be 
being kind to someone when you want to be unkind. It may be forgiving someone when you don't want to forgive them. It may be holding back the words that you want to say until you can be calm and, and speak in a manner that, that honors the character of God and builds up the person you're speaking to. These are good works. And they happen naturally as a result of, of obeying God. As a result of not just hearing what God has to say, but then doing what God calls us to do. He calls us to live worthily. And then he says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, there's, there's a kind of knowledge about God that happens only as a result of obeying God. There's a kind of knowledge about God that only comes as a result of obeying God. You know, I was in martial arts, did Taekwondo and Tung Sudo, just Korean martial arts, just your standard like Black Belt Academy, boom, boom, boom. It was an after school program, can't do any of it now. I really liked it as a kid. I mean, I think I've talked about the Ninja Turtles. I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle, like all the way. Like I wanted to be green, I wanted to be Donatello, live under, the, I mean, it sounded kind of awesome, let's be honest. You live in a cool, weird, dirty place and you eat pizza and you have like a rat mentor who is a ninja, like it's, I don't know who came up with it because that person needs help, but I was on board. And, and so I pursued martial arts. I pursued Taekwondo and, and whatever you think of it, you know, one of the things that you do by way of encouragement and, and building you up is you break boards. Now the reality is you break boards that are thin, that are of a particular grain, so that, you know, and sometimes your instructor breaks the board and you just kind of punch through, but we'll just let it be. But I, for, so I, I, had an, I had one particular test where I had to break a piece of concrete. And again, it's not the, you could break concrete. Like that's the thing is like physics. This is not magic, but it was a thin piece of concrete. And there was a huge difference between me saying I can break concrete and me breaking concrete. And I found that out when I brought my hand down and I did not break the concrete. There was a new kind of information that I had in that moment. It was a painful kind of information and an embarrassing kind of information. Because prior to that, I'd been talking, I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be awesome and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, are you sure? You, there are other breaks you can do for this test. And I'm like, no, do the concrete, it's gonna be great. And then afterwards, my instructor was like, do you want to rethink this? And so instead of doing open hand, I did a fist and, and I, I broke it by the grace of God. The, the concrete, not my hand. I bruised my hand pretty good though. Um, but there was a different kind of knowledge that came as a result of doing the thing. And, and I never could have had that knowledge apart from doing the thing. I could have been, I could have been the, the greatest physicist, the greatest martial arts uh, uh, scholar, and I could have talked about, you know, the makeup of concrete and, and the way that the, the grains and, the, and the, the things that keep it together and the, the, the molecular structures that, that allow for and the kind of, of pressure that is needed in a moment, the forces of gravity and, and what I have to overcome in order to break through that. I could know all of those things and still not know that, man, if you do this wrong, it's going to hurt real bad. 
And if you do this right, it still might hurt real bad. There was a different kind of knowledge that I had as a result of the action. And when we trust in God, there's a different kind of faith and, and, and love and, and strength that rises up as a result of knowing what it is to obey. And, and some of you, you're, you're, you're fearfully on this side of it. And you're like, oh, I know God calls me to obey. I know, I know I need to obey in this relationship. I need, I need to walk in faithfulness. I know I need to obey in this, this employment situation. I know I need to obey in this thing I just read in the Bible. And, and you're right there, and you're like, ah, you're looking at it from every angle, and you're like, I think I've got all the knowledge that I need to do, and all you need to do in that moment is obey. Because when you obey, the lights turn on in a different way. He says, I pray that as you bear fruit, in every good work, that you'd increase in the knowledge of God. Family, we need knowledge. We need knowledge for life, but we don't just need knowledge for life. I mean, if you've been paying attention, if you've been living for any period of time, you know that we need, we need power to endure, strength to endure. He says in verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We, we have hope, as we saw in verse 5. We have hope of a future, but that future is not here. We live in what theologians call the already, not yet. Jesus has already come. He died on the cross for our sins in our place, but he has not yet come back. And we live in a tension between our own indwelling sin and the promise and the fulfillment of all his promises, the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit, but also the power and the presence of sin in our life. And we live in this tension, and in this tension, we need, we need strength to endure. We need strength to endure. We need strength to fight against st- sin that still, still dwells within us. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We are at war. There's indwelling sin in our lives, and we are at war, and we need strength to endure. We also have an enemy. In 1 Peter 5.18, it says that the, the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have an, you and I have an enemy, and it's not your, you know, this person or that person or so-and-so on Fox News or so-and-so on CNN or your spouse. It's not, we have a real spiritual enemy who wants to destroy us, and he is not done. He's still fighting a, a losing battle, but he's fighting, and we need strength to endure. We still live in a fallen nature uh, fallen creation. You, we still get sick. We still see pain. We still see suffering. There's still earthquakes. There were tornadoes in, in Fairfax, like what, Friday? What's that about? We live in a broken world and we need strength to endure. And so he prays that we would be strengthened with what kind of power? All power, according to what? His glorious might. I'm so thankful that he didn't pray. I pray that you'd be strengthened as much as you can be. I can't be strengthened that much. I am who I am. Now, I could certainly work out more, and we won't talk about that. But I do have a physical limit. I am nowhere near that. Haven't discovered what it is, but it exists. 
Some of you are more aware of your physical limits. You, you've, got, you've got mind over matter and you've pursued it, but we all have limitations. And as we get older, those limitations make themselves all the more known. And so he doesn't pray, I pray that you'd be strengthened with, with all the power that you can be strengthened with. No, he says, he prays that you'd be strengthened with, with all power according to what his glorious might. And Ephesians chapter 1, and we're, we're coming to a close. In, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays that, that they might know the power of God. He says, it's is in verse 19, what immeasurable greatness of power he has toward us who believe according to the working of his great work. What, what are we talking about here? Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. You have the opportunity to live life in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, right? Kind of a big deal, changed everything. Guy who was dead, you know, decaying, now is alive, living, breathing, set up far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. I will have every name that, it, I mean, he's, it changed some things. This resurrection power changed things. And we're like, yeah, it changed things for that guy over there. And we worship him and we, we praise him. But in my life, meh. No, that's the power that God wants you to live with. That's the power that God wants me to live with. That's the power that God wants us to live with, to endure with. Paul prays that they'd have resurrection power, that they'd have strengthening power, power to say no to sin, power to stand against the enemy, power to see Christ well in the midst of suffering. Family, Paul is praying about what it means to be successful. And we're going to talk more next week about that. He's going to continue to talk about giving thanks to the Father. But, but I want you to hear this, that, that we need this. If you have any desire to be successful, to live this life in a way that you were meant to live, then I would pray that you would do four things. That you would, one, pray for the knowledge to live. Pray for knowledge to live. That you would pray for strength to endure. And that you would believe that God will supply. In Romans 8, uh, 32, Paul is speaking. Paul speaks a lot in the New Testament, if you haven't noticed. In, in Romans 8, 32, he says, As he, talking about Jesus, he who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave Jesus up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give all things? If you need knowledge to live, if you need power to endure, ask God because he will give it. If you want to live successful, if you're standing at the precipice of obedience and you're like, I don't know if I can break this piece of concrete, I'm nervous, I'm afraid of the consequences, ask for strength to endure. Ask for obedience, ask, do it. And then after you ask, believe that God will supply because he's going to give you all things that you need. And once you've asked and you've believed, then act. Paul is going to act. He's going to tell them to do things. He's going to tell them, this is how you need to live in light of this. And I would encourage you, family, there are things in your life that you need to do, that you know you need to do. For some of you, it's just reading your Bible. I know he keeps talking about it all the time. I'm going to go and, and I'm going to Google Bible reading plan and I'm going to download the first one I see just so I can say that I did it. Do it. If that's what it takes, do it. Read your Bible. I, I know I need to talk to that person I, and I, uh, every time I see them, my I get, and I, I want to, I'm angry, and I have all these emotions, and it's all very visceral. I know I need to forgive, but I just can't. Do it. Do it. 
I know I need to talk to this person and apologize and, and admit that I, I messed this thing up, but, but I'm afraid of what it's going to result in. Do it. Do it. I know I need to serve. I know I need to, I, I've been coming to this church for a long time and, I, and I've seen, man, there are a lot of people doing a lot of things, but I, yeah, I don't know about it. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be committed. I don't want to have to say that I'll be somewhere at a certain time. Do it. What is it that God is calling you to do? Pray for knowledge to live by. Pray for power to endure. Believe that God will give it to you and then do it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you love us. And I thank you, God, that you, you've given us Paul as an example, not, not as a way of discouragement to highlight our needs, but to say that we have needs that can be met. We have needs that can be met. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word that we would read and appreciate and understand what it has to say, that we'd be then able to apply your word and do it and live in light of your word. And that we would do whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is stirring up our hearts to do right now. Holy Spirit, would you stir up our hearts towards faith and obedience? Would you call us to do the things that need to be done, Lord? And would you help us to walk out those things? And then as we do those things, God, would you grant us the, the unique blessing of a renewed knowledge of God? The kind of knowledge that only comes as a result of obeying. We pray all these things in our name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you, family.